What's up, Crossover fam? This is Tammy. We want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. God has been moving in major ways in our community, and we're so glad that you get to be a part of it. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to live out your calling in Christ. Enjoy this week's message. And so last week we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit and our bodies being a temple. So it was entitled, We Are the Church. Say, We Are the Church. Like literally where two or more are gathered around the name of Jesus is biblical New Testament church. So you could have church in your house. You could have church at Starbucks. You could have church at your job. We are called to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing. That's why we see a lot of testimonies every single week, right? I love that Caleb got to go to Kenya, but the reality is you can be a missionary right where God has you 24-7. Amen? And that's what we are doing. That's why we call ourselves city takers, because we all are city takers. And together, we can really take a city in the name of Jesus. We can see citywide transformation in the name of Jesus. We can see neighborhoods look different in the name of Jesus. Because the gospel is going forth and people are being added to the kingdom daily. Not because what I'm doing on the stage, but because what you're doing in real life. You're going out as the hands and feet of Jesus. And I wanted to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. I think we got it on the screens this morning. It says this. And now you Gentiles, which is pretty much all of us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, check this out. He identified you as his own. Say, I'm his. He identified you and me and the person next to you and the person behind you as his own by giving you who? The Holy Spirit, whom he promised long long ago. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that you wrote to the church in Ephesus. But just like you wrote it to them 2,000 years ago, God, I believe that you wrote it to us as well right here, the church of Atlanta. And I pray that you speak to us so clearly, God, that we learn something and we apply it to our lives. But not only just apply it, but it changes our hearts, changes who we are, God, that we can look more like you, that we could be more like you, that we could sound more like you, and that we can reflect your image in Jesus' name. Amen. So I titled the message called Identified, Identified. And the first thing I think about, it's, they wrote it wrong. It's identified. It's all good. It's about identity, right? It's about, it's about identity. And the first thing I think about, me and my wife like to watch this TV show that is on the ID channel. You ever watch the ID channel? It's got like things like forensic files and yeah, it's, it's very kind of weird, right? The first 48, all, the, all, these, all these TV shows that, you know, bad things happen in this messed up world. And they're always trying to find the person that committed the crime. And so they're trying to identify the person that committed the crime. And I remember growing up watching all the old school gangster movies. Anybody with me? Gangster movies? Few? Okay. I'm preaching to a few people this morning. And we watched movies like Goodfellas and Casino and, you know, all, all, the, all these movies from the early 90s. And I'll never forget, 
I mean, it's ingrained in my mind. When I, when I hear the word identified, I always think of a criminal lineup where they put the guys, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? They put the guys on the wall and they, and, and they bring somebody out. They're like, all right, was it any one of these people? And what they're asking for them is to identify the person that they seen, right? So if they're looking at five or six different people, they're saying things like, well, you know, he had a shaved head, right? He was about six foot one, about 230 so pounds. He was probably like in his young 40s, white, male. So what they do, they get five or six people that kind of fits that identity and they line them up on a wall. And they bring the person in who actually seen what had happened. And they say, I want you to point out the person that it most looks like. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right, in these movies? And I think of, you know, identification. So it's somebody or something that we've seen. It's somebody that can prove this is the person. In 2021, most of us today, inside of our wallets, inside of our purses, inside of our pockets, we carry this thing called an identification card, a.k.a. a driver's license if you're 16 or over. On your driver's license, it has a driver's license number that is different from everybody else in the state of Georgia. It also has your hair color, your eye color, how tall you are. Now, you could lie on those things. Right, like you know, someone who's who 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 might be a little bit heavier might say, you know what, I'm, I would probably say I'm 185 pounds. Get on a scale, I'm about 230 pounds. So I can lie all I want to on my ID, but then you go to the passport office and you get this thing called a passport. If you want to travel to a different nation or a different country, you have to identify yourself. And this little uh, driver's license does not suffice if you want to travel internationally. So what, what do you have to do? You have to go to the passport office. They actually have to run background checks on you. They have to do all types of other investigations on you to make sure you are the person that you're saying you are. And then they have to take that little picture. Why do those pictures come out horrible every time I take those pictures? They won't let you use your own picture. They're like, no, we got to take the picture. They're like, you know, and they always come out really, really bad. When we're born in this world, we have these things called birth certificates, right? Mine says Miami, Florida. It has the date on it, July 8th. I'm not going to say the year. <laughs> and it tells me where I was born, what hospital I was born in. It tells you the time you were born. A lot of, any of y'all know the time you were born? I don't, know, I don't know the time I was born. That might be a little different, right? We also have this thing called a social security card. There's a number on the card that identifies who you are, where you were born, what nationality you are. It has all this information on it. It also tells, you, it tells people, right, that it's attached to this thing called credit scores. It tells you if you are a faithful steward financially or you're not. You got to put your social security number so people could get information on you, so they could identify who you are. In 2021, a new crime is out there. It's called identity theft, where if people get your social security number, they can act as you, and they could, they could get credit cards in your name, and they could go out, and they could be spending it, and then you know what happens next. That's a crime. 
And all what I want to share about today is about this thing called identity. Identified. The real problem with believers is we are building our identity on something else besides who Jesus says we are. We are committing kind of identity thefts. And we're trying to live up to the standards of this world instead of who Jesus says we really are. And trust me, there's way more liberty and way more freedom living in the freedom of who Jesus says we are. We are already that person. I can't go back and change my birth dates. As much as I might want to do that or as much as you might want to do that, I cannot change my birthday. I can't change the city that I was born in. I can say it, but it doesn't really change nothing. You see, in 2021, we're trying to take truth and make it our own truth, but the reality is your truth doesn't equal truth sometimes. There is an absolute truth, and the absolute truth is God. The absolute truth was born as a virgin and lived this in this life for 33 years and died on a cross and rose from the dead and hung out with his boys and his friends for about 40 days. Then he bounced to live at the right hand of the Father. Then he sent us a helper, a.k.a. his spirit, who lives in us, as you heard last week. Lives in you, lives in me. Now we are, the Bible says we are his sons and his daughters. I want to live as if I am really a son of a king. And not just a normal king, not a king of this world, but a king of every other king that has ever been born. A king of kings. And sometimes we feel the pressure to identify ourselves or define ourselves through things like our jobs. Through things like financial status. Like we just say, look at me, right? I call it the look at me syndrome. And I'm not against nice things. And Jesus isn't against nice things. But our identity should never be in the things that we have. We also put our identity in, you know, titles like I am this or I am that. I am Pastor Scott. I am a CEO or I am the new thing. I am an entrepreneur. And we put all of our identity in that thing. And not in who God says we are. We put them in titles. When we're in school, we put them in grades. And again, good grades are good. I wish somebody, you know, pushed me a little bit harder when I was young to get better grades. We put it in appearance. We treat people who don't appear very well differently than people who appear like they got it all together. We treat people different based on the way that they that we see them based on the way that we view them, based on how they're dressed, sometimes how they smell, if I can get real. Like we work with people who, you know, sometimes on the streets where they might not have showered in several days, several weeks, but Jesus loves them just as much as he loves me. And so why should I or any other human being treat them different because of the way that they smell or the way that they dress? And so a lot of times we put our identification in all of these things that don't really matter to anything. It has nothing to do with the kingdom or what other people say about us. Some of us grew up taking words like stones, like literally people would just 
bash us and say we're this and say we're that. Call us names. Some of us got bullied our whole lives. And some of us got bullied at home. And so we've put our identity in what other people have said about us and many other hundreds, thousands of things. But what happens to our identity when we experience failure in business or failure as an entrepreneur or failure as fill in the blank? Or we lose someone's favor. You know, we're walking with this person. We're doing good in life. Right, we're getting promoted, we're, we're getting all this favor in this world, then all of a sudden, things change. What happens to our identity then? When we lose the car, or we get in an accident, we don't have the car no more. We lose the house. We go through a divorce. We get taken advantage of. What happens to our identity then? When we get burnt out. When we quit, when we say, you know what, we're done. I remember in 1992, there was this storm called Hurricane Andrew that came through Miami, Florida. And I was a DJ before. I, used to, I actually really used to DJ back when we had records and crates. Remember the crates? We used to pick up the crates and take them. Y'all remember, right? Now everything's digital, right? It's just got MP3s and all that. This is before MP3s. Some of y'all are like, dang, you old guy. But I was a DJ. In high school, I was a DJ. I used to play hip-hop music. This was like early 90s when hip-hop was like really blowing up, right? Groups like Tribe Called Quest, Wu-Tang Clan. Y'all know Wu-Tang Clan? Some of you are like, man, I can't believe the pastor's preaching about Wu-Tang Clan. I like this church. But I used to be playing all of that stuff. And I was 16 years old, and I used to think I was the man. I used to, I had gold chains with medallions. I mean, I was... Man, I, was, I, thought, I thought I was the man, y'all, like for real. I was wrong, obviously, but I thought I was the man. To the point where I bought, I literally, some of y'all heard me share this story before. I bought a, a Cadillac that looked just like two shorts. Yeah, I'm, I'm being dead serious. My wife's seen the picture. I had a white caddy, convertible caddy at that. 16 years old, and I was buying it because I was making money DJing. And then in 1992, I think it was August, I can't remember the date, Hurricane Andrew came. It was me, my little brother, and my mother in a house, and it literally destroyed the house and destroyed all my DJ equipment. And after that, after the storm, for months, the whole city was shut down. And I lost who I was because I was always known as the DJ. I was always known as this person, but then all of that got taken away from me, and I had absolutely no idea who I was. And unfortunately, in the church, as disciples of Jesus, we still put our identity in things that we do. And when bad things happen to good people like us, we're questioning God, like, where are you at? Like, why'd you leave me here? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do me like that? And the foundation of our identity is shaken and it's altered because we're hustling. We're grinding out to define ourselves by someone else's standard or someone else altogether. 
by the standards of this world. Like, you're not successful unless you look like this. You're not successful unless you got a blue check by your name on Instagram. You're not successful unless you got this many streams on Spotify. You're not successful unless your resume has all these other things on it. We identify with these different things. And we may receive an overwhelming amount of messages telling us to define ourselves by external measures. But when I look, when I look like the base of our identity on the way that God sees us, or when we base our identity on the way that God sees us, things change. It's not driven by external circumstances. It's driven by who he says we are. And I'm telling you, if you really get this in your heart of hearts and you really apply this to your life, your whole life will change. I'm telling you, your whole life will change. So I, I have three points, and I want to quickly try to get to the last one if I can. First is we are made in his image, a.k.a. meaning you are deeply loved by the Father. Like you are deeply loved by your Father in heaven, and there is nothing you can do to separate yourself from that love. An identity grounded in Christ would mean that when we think of who we are, the first thing that we would think of is someone who is deeply loved by the Father. So when I think about who I am, like I am his son in whom he loves. You might say, I am his daughter in whom he loves. That's the first place my mind should go to. And how you view yourself in this manner could change the way that you live out everything that you do. What are some obstacles in, in, in thinking this way? What are some obstacles in doing this? I, I, I want to encourage everybody to read Ephesians chapter 1 if you're taking notes. Read 3 through 13, but I'm going to skip all that for time's sake. I'm just going to read verse 5. It says this, God decided in advance to adopt us. Say adopt. Adopt us into his own family and bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Ooh, come on. He adopt, the Father adopted you through Christ. And not only did he adopt you, it actually gave him great pleasure. Not just pleasure, it gave him great pleasure to adopt you. You are now his son. You are now his daughter in whom he loves. What would it look like if we base our identity on how God sees us? As his son, as his daughter, I carry his name. I have an inheritance. And it's an eternal inheritance. My second point is this. It's not about what we do. It's really about who we are. I am who I am, not based on what I do. You are who you are, what you do, but who you are and also whose you are. We are his it's not a workspace ministry, but a grace-filled life. I am his because of what he's done for me. I don't, I don't have to work my way into loving him or him to love me. I don't have to do anything outside of just say, yes, I'm all in. I'm adopted, y'all. You're adopted by a father in heaven. 
My wife, when she married me, hey, I married up, y'all. Y'all know what that means. Yeah, praise God for Tammy real quick. When my wife married me, she didn't have to prove herself to me to get married. Right? For, for y'all who are married in here, it wasn't like, all right, I'll marry you as long as you do this. Or I'll marry you as long as you do this, that, the other. But when she marries me, one, one beautiful thing about the consecration of marriage and the covenant of marriage is your wife actually gets your name. Right? Her, her, her name changes. And it becomes the name of her husband in most cases. Not all wives do that, but that's okay. But the reality is you get to carry someone's name. And when you're adopted into a family, you actually have the right to carry the name of the family. You have all legal rights in the United States of America to have everything that that family who adopted you have. You have all the rights. So imagine the rights of the United States of America. Shift your thinking to the rights of the kingdom of God. Like you have rights as sons and daughters. You have equal rights with anybody who was a Jew at the time. As a Gentile, I have equal rights of everything that the Father has for them, he now has for me. Because I've been adopted. And I get to carry his name. But we feel like we have to do things in order to be things. You know the story of the rich young ruler? You could read it in Matthew 19. Someone came to Jesus, his teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, why do you ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, I want you to receive eternal life. You have to keep my commands. And he's like, I've done all that. I've kept all my commands. He's like, good for you. Now I want you to do one more thing. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says at the end of that, it says, he went away sad in verse 22. Because for he had many, many possessions. And this man's identity, this man's heart, this man's worship was not on the one true God. This man's identity was in his possessions. And it said he went away sad. And whatever you have your identity in, actually, you start to worship that thing. You say, nah, I don't, I don't. That thing. No, listen. It has your attention. It has all of your time. It's consuming you because you want to be so successful in this thing that you're putting all your attention in that. And then Jesus and God, the Father and Holy Spirit starts to, you know, fit somewhere down the priority line, like number eight, number nine, number ten. And listen, I've been there. I got to catch myself sometimes. That ministry doesn't, doesn't replace Jesus. Work doesn't replace Jesus. See, my identity is not in what I do. My identity is in him and in him alone. Period. And the third thing is this. We have to identify false beliefs. We really do. We have to identify false beliefs. We have to constantly fight against wanting to put up false imagery in our heads. We really do. 
We think of these things. We have these dreams. We have these ideas. But sometimes these dreams and these ideas are only in our mind to pull us away from the purpose of God. Now, sometimes they're right in line with the purpose of God. But you got to remember, you got to always put Christ first. Jeremiah 15, or Jeremiah 1.5 says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born into this world, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Many times, a false belief is wedged itself between how God defines us and how we see ourselves. God says we're sons, we're daughters. We're royal priesthood. You're a prophet to the nations. But we see ourselves as less than that. And so we manufacture this imagery in our minds of what we think would make us feel better. And we start to go after those things. Man, I think if I could just do this, or I think if I could just be this, then I'll feel whole. Then I'll feel better about myself because I feel so insignificant. Because you're trying to live up to an image that you have in your mind that is contrary to who God says you really are. We make a plan of what we want, and then we ask God to bless our plan. That's real. That's a word for somebody today. We make a plan in our hearts and our minds, and we ask God to bless our plan. Instead of saying, God, I'm on my knees. I'm crying out to you. I'm praying. I'm fasting. What is your plan for my life? Lord, I want to do your plan. I'm done with my plan. My plan always ends up in left field. My plan, I always end up in a ditch. My plan. I've been trying to do my plan for my whole life, and it doesn't really work out the way I want it to work out. So, God, therefore, I surrender all. I want your plan. We think of the opposite of pure and blameless would be impure, stained, or guilty. And we try to make others think that we're not. And so we're, listen, we're performing as if we're Christians. We're acting this thing out. When the Lord's like, I just want you to stop acting. I just really want you to take off the costume because I know who you are on the inside. Stop walking around like it's Halloween. Listen, I'm doing a new thing. He says, you have to, you have to put your identity in who I say you are. And when you start walking in that, there's real freedom. I'm telling you, there's real freedom in who you really are, who God created you to be. And if, listen, you're not going to fit in with the crowd. He told you that you are meant to stand out, not fit in. You're not normal because he's not normal. You're different in this world. People are not going to like you because of his name. People are not going to like you because of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You radiate love. You radiate light. You ra radiate compassion. You radiate Jesus. And so if people don't like you, it is what it is. Love them. Share truth. But keep it moving. You might not get the promotion because you love Jesus. Keep it moving. You might not get the job. You might not get into school. You might not fit in. Keep it moving. Your identity is going to give you the opportunity to do. Keep it moving. 
you're a son and you're a daughter. We have to fight against these false beliefs. Here's some of the false beliefs. I'm rejected instead of accepted. I'll never break out of this. I'm in bondage instead of being, oh, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm redeemed because of what he's done for me on the cross. Sin no longer has authority over me. I have authority over it in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. We might think like, oh, I got to be careful. I got to live up to. Listen, instead of saying, you know what? I'm covered by his grace and his mercy. All things are made new every single morning. Or you might feel like, you know what? I'm all alone. Nobody understands. That's that orphan spirit speaking. Instead of saying, I'm adopted, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High King. Even if nobody understands me, he does. Even if nobody is walking with me, I know that he walks with me. Even when I'm alone, I'm never alone. For he says in his word that he'll never leave me or never forsake me. And I have more, but... The reality is we've started to believe the lies over the truth. And sometimes the lie is connected to a very real, painful experience in our life. And it takes some time to grieve over that experience and invite God into the secret places of that brokenness. That's deliverance. And after you've surrendered the lie over to God, we have to pray that he'll help us believe the truth in who he says that we are. And, I, and we have to pray that he makes us aware of the times that we're not believing the truth, that we're actually agreeing with the lie. And then we have to make a choice. Say choice. Then we have to make a choice to believe the truth, even when it doesn't feel good. And a lot of us are right there right now because we're walking with several people right now that have to Agree to believe the truth when it don't feel good. We might not always feel forgiven. We might not always feel blameless. But the truth is, God sees us that way. Because he washes away our sin through what he did on Calvary. And that's good news for somebody in here, for all of us in here. That's good news. And so we have to put our trust, our faith, our hope in him. God has given us everything we need to, that we need to demolish strongholds, false belief systems, and he empowers us to really walk in freedom. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you that our identity is not in a social security number. Our identity is not in a passport. For we identify with who you say that we are, God. Help us to not believe the lies of what anybody else has said, but help us walk in the freedom and the liberty, God, as sons and daughters. As sons and daughters. Lord, I pray for supernatural freedom right now. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself. Save from the lies that we've agreed with. Save from sin, death, hell, destruction, the grave. And he says he gives us the mind of his son, Jesus. And he gives us, he, he removes the heart of stone. He gives us a heart of flesh.
And so maybe you need to meet Jesus today. It's the first step to receiving his identity is to be receive what he's done on the cross for you. And the beautiful thing about that is death couldn't even hold him. He rose on the third day to truly set you free. To say, Jesus, come into my life today. Forgive me of my sins. I surrender all. I believe you died on the cross and you rose on that third day to truly set me free. Lord, I pray for those right now that are walking through a storm, walking through a season of darkness. I pray that as they understand who they are, God, that even in the midst of the storm, they'll shine bright. They'll be a lighthouse, God, that many will see and come to know you through them. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name. We all said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Man, what a powerful message. We want to thank you for tuning in. I hope that this week's word blessed and encouraged you. God is doing some amazing things in our community, and we're so glad to have you be a part of it. If you're new to our ministry, we would love to connect with you. You can go to crossoverchurchatl.com backslash connect and fill out the information so that we can stay connected. Also, if you would like to give to help support our ministry, you can go to crossoverchurchatl.com backslash give. Thanks and God bless.